This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. I have a guest with me today. He's a friend. We've been friends for many years. We went to Southeastern together. We have followed each other's ministries through the years. I've preached in his churches as a missionary a couple times and been with him. And he is now working with an organization called Life Publishers. Life Publishers specifically, and you're going to hear about it today, they are working to develop what's called the Fire Bible. Say the Fire Bible. Isn't that a great name? The Fire Bible. He's going to tell you about it. The Fire Bible is a special study Bible, especially for pastors and leaders and members of the church, especially in countries where they don't have resources. They don't have at their disposal what you and I have to study the Word of God. For many of these pastors, this is what they preach out of, the Fire Bible. And we have a chance today, and I believe God laid it on our heart for this project. I know that we can do this. We have an opportunity today to produce a fire Bible in a brand new language. And you're going to hear about it. I'm praying God will help us to uh, take this project on. And so it's my great honor to invite a friend of mine, Pastor Ed Ivey. Will you put your hands together? Pastor Ed, it's so good to have you. Welcome to Christian Life Center, my friend. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Tom and Pastor Candy. What an honor to be here with friends that I've known for a very, very long time. And uh, so I am privileged to be here and serve with you today. And uh, as a pastor for a number of years, I understand it's a big deal inviting somebody in. I don't take that lightly today. And uh, so it's good to be with you. And it's also just to be, you know, good just being over here on the East Coast a little bit. I was pastoring in Naples for 14 years, but I grew up in Miami. And so Miami and South Florida is home for me. And I always don't, you know, I don't get a chance to come back as much as I always want to. But I'm just telling you, when I get back in South Florida, I forget how different things are. You know, it's like you drive across 75 Alligator Alley and as soon as you hit you know, um, you know, you, you go past the toll and everything, and it's just like the pace of everything changes. Come on, somebody. It's just like every, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Turn signals are a sign of weakness here, you know? Like, you don't use turn signals. You know, you got to be going at least 80, 80. Oh, man, I hope I don't have any police officers in here today. But, I mean, you just, it, it just changes. Everything kind of changes. And in saying all of that, I absolutely love it. I love what God is doing in Southwest Florida. I love what God is doing in Fort Lauderdale. I love what God is doing in Sunrise and Coral Springs. You have a lot to be thankful for and a lot to celebrate for what God is doing here at Christian Life Center. Somebody say amen. I'm just telling you, I'm just one of those guys. I preach better when you give me a little feedback. I don't know if it's my insecurity or what it is, but it'll just help me out. If, if you hear something really good, would you just shout amen? So let's just practice. Come on, amen. Amen. If you have a Bible, open up to Matthew chapter 24. <clears throat> As you're opening up there, I'll tell you a quick story. 
You know, it was uh, back in uh, the mid-1990s, I was a youth pastor at a church in Kansas City. My wife and I, uh, at that time, we had just been married for a few years, and we just had a, you know, a little baby boy at the time. He was just about two years old, and, and um, you know, we were working at this church, and, you know, I wasn't making a lot of, of money. You know, how many know you don't go into ministry to get rich? I wasn't making a whole lot, and we had, we had one of those cars. I don't know if any of you have ever had one of those cars. Come on, anybody with me? But we had one of those cars. It didn't have air conditioning. The headliner had been ripped up, and all the teenagers in our youth ministry had carved their name in the foam in our headliner. I mean, the little bit of headliner that we had was hanging down in the back. We'd have to pin it up so that we could see out of the rear view mirror. But we had one of those cars. And I remember every time I would go to church, it was the most humiliating experience ever. Because we would pull up in church and we would, you know, I I would park way down at the end of the parking lot because cars are a little bit different now. But, But I would park way at the end of the parking lot because it was one of those cars that even though you turned it off and took the key out of the ignition, come on, it continued to run. Now, let me ask, anybody ever have one of those cars? Y'all know what I'm talking about. And so that car, I would take the key out of the ignition and I would, you know, I'm walking over, I'm getting my son out of the car seat, you know, we're walking down the sidewalk and my wife, you know, we're walking in as a family. We're sweating because we had no EC in the middle of something. I'd go in, I'd check him into the nursery. I'd open the door to see how it was doing. And then there would be that long pause. And I would just stand there and wait. They'd say, And smoke would pour out of the radiator and out of the hood of the car. I, I was humiliated. It was, a, I mean, just, that's why I would park it all the way at the very end. My wife and I had saved $1,000 for a new car. If that gives you any idea of the kind of car that we had. We had saved $1,000 for a new car. <clears throat> we were so excited and we were just ecstatic. And I sat in a service one evening much like this missions weekend, our global mission initiative, our kingdom builders time. And I remember sitting in that service and I'm sitting there on the front row with the rest of the staff. And, you know, the time came, you know, when it came for the offering and giving and everything. And the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to give a thousand dollars. And you know what my response was? Get thee behind me, Satan. Like, that's not God. Say, God, that can't be you. You're asking me for $1,000. That's all I have. He said, that's okay. That's all I'm asking you for. I leaned over to my wife and I said, I got this crazy, this, I know this isn't God, but I just want to say it to you. And, you know, I told her, I said, do you feel anything? She said, yeah, you're supposed to give the $1,000. I was like, no, that's not what you're supposed to say. So we reluctantly 
I don't know if you've ever given an offering reluctantly when it was painful. We gave an offering reluctantly and we wrote out a check for $1,000 and we put it in the offering. And you know what's funny about that moment is that I don't remember the message. But I do remember that moment. Because that particular moment wrecked my life for missions. And I've never been the same. A few days later, we had a relative that called us up and said, hey, I've been concerned about you guys. And, you know, it's the middle of summer. You drive around with a two-year-old in the car. I want to send you $7,000 to get a new car. So God is faithful. I love moments like this. I love these incredibly powerful moments. And I love the word of God. The word of God changes lives. Matthew chapter 24, verse three, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and they said, tell us, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? The disciples had an opportunity. They wanted to know from Jesus Tell us about the end times. How many of you would like to know more about the end times? Tell us about, the the disciples had that moment as they sit with Jesus. Tell us about the end times. And Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming that I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. And all of these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. And because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end, come on, will be saved. Verse 14, look at this. And this gospel, man, I love this. I, I, I I love what God is doing in missions around the world. I work for several missions organizations and get a chance to preach around the U.S. on behalf of numerous organizations. But I I can tell you this, I love this gospel. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Jesus, help us today. Speak to us. Challenge us. Transform us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As Pastor Tom said, I I work with Fire Bible, one of the incredible missions organizations. You know, Fire Bible has been around for a number of years. And if I can just kind of give you a snapshot of what Fire Bible is. Fire Bible is a fully featured study Bible with an emphasis on the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. It has 77 doctrine and discipleship articles in it that are used by pastors in their own training and also by believers in their spiritual formation and development. The Fire Bible has been translated into 66 languages around the world. And it's amazing to see 
how God is using the fire Bible to transform nations. And that's really one of the things that we're gonna talk about today, the power of the word, the power to see the word of God transform nations. Jesus said this in this passage. He said, hey, you're gonna hear a lot of bad news. You guys ever hear any bad news these days? I, I, you know, I got up, had a little breakfast, breakfast this morning down in the lobby and, you know, eating a little oatmeal. And, I, you know, the news was on. And it's just bad news, bad news, bad news, bad news. Everything seems to be bad news these days. But Jesus said all of the bad news will help everybody understand the need for the good news. And that's why I'm here to talk to you about the good news, because Jesus said the good news of the kingdom would be preached. He said, this gospel would be preached. Jesus, you know, I mean, if you think about it, Jesus could have said a lot of things right here. Jesus could have said things like, hey, um, you know, as the end is approaching, make sure your retirement is secure. As the end is approaching, uh, make sure, you know, you, you have all your stability. As the end is approaching, make sure you have all these things in place. And it's, it's almost like, I don't know if you're feeling it, but when I grew up as a kid, there was such an emphasis put on Jesus coming back. Matter of fact, I was scared out of my mind growing up as a kid scared. Man, I, I would go to church and I'd hear the evangelist preach, my pastor preach, and it always ended with Jesus is coming soon. I, I would go home and I would lay down on my bed and I would say, Jesus, please don't come back. Please, please not now. You know my life is not right. You know I'm not living the way I should, Lord. Please, please don't come back. There was such an emphasis on, on Jesus coming back, and it almost seems like we've lost a little bit of that. The emphasis, but I, I want to tell you something. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. And Jesus said, you're going to hear all this bad news, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to understand the power of the gospel and that the gospel changes lives. The gospel changes lives. You know, I heard not long ago of a uh, Serbian pastor. We translated the Fire Bible into Serbian language, and it's been incredible what God is doing there. But one of the pastors, um, and not even from within the Assemblies of God Fellowship, but from another denomination, actually told us an incredible story. He was one of the translators that was working on the 77 articles. And he had a neighbor, and he said, you know, I had this neighbor, and, you know, I, I, I just... You know, I, I tried witnessing to him. You know, he just was rejecting me all the time. And, you know, I just, I did my best and, you know, trying to reach out to him. And so this Serbian pastor who was involved in the translation process, he said, I finally decided that I was just gonna give him a little pocket-sized New Testament. So he walks next door to his neighbor. He goes there and he, and he hands, them, hands him this pocket-sized New Testament. And the guy takes it and, you know, just kind of blows him off a little bit and, doesn't think anything of, and the pastor's like, well, at least I'm trying. I'm really trying to make an effort with my neighbor. That, that man took that little New Testament, and after a few weeks, he finally picked it up, and he sat down in his chair, and he began to kind of flip through. It was only about that big. You've seen those little New Testaments. And he began to flip through it, and he realized, he realized that the paper 
that was in this little pocket-sized New Testament was the same paper that they used to roll their smokes. So he's like, this is a win. I'll save a little money. So he started in Matthew chapter 1, and he would read Matthew chapter 1. He'd read that first page. Then he would rip the page out. He would roll up his smokes, and he would smoke it. Matthew chapter 1, Matthew chapter 2. He continues through Matthew. He, he continues to, to, to read the page, rip it out, smoke it. But then all of a sudden, he gets to the book of John. And he begins to read in the book of John. And as he gets to John 3, 16, he reads those words, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And having read through those other gospels, he falls to his knees and he receives Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior. I heard the story and I couldn't help thinking to myself, man, this guy, he smoked his way through Matthew. He smoked his way through Mark. He smoked his way through Luke. And then all of a sudden he got to John and John smoked him. Come on. The word of God has the power. If I can, can I, the word of God has the power to smoke our lives has the ability to change our lives. And that's what the fire Bible does. The fire Bible smokes our lives. The fire Bible is smoking the lives of nations around the world. The gospel is full of power. Fire Bible, the name, it's interesting. You know, they really were unsure what they were gonna call it as they began the translation. The original translation, when they first started, they took the study Bible with these notes and they began, you know, trying to discover where, where, where's going to be the first place that we're going to translate this and what nation. And so it was actually China that had requested it be translated. And so at the time they thought, well, if we can just do a couple of thousand copies, if we can go through the translation process and, and maybe do a couple of thousand copies. And, and as the pastors there in China and the underground church, they began to gather together and they said, no, 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 we need more than just a couple of thousand. They said, well, how many do you think you need? They said, we need at least 50,000. It seemed like an impossible task at the time, but the national leaders began to rally together here, and as they began to work on the project that took a number of years to walk through the translation of everything, during that time, the, the Chinese believers continued to raise the number, no, 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 50,000 will never be enough. We need 100,000. And they continued the process, and by the time, after a number of years of going through the translation, as it finally got ready to launch into their language, the Fire Bible, they said, no, 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 we, we need even more copies to, to just this initial launch. We need close to 500,000 copies. They had no clue how the project was going to take place, but it was churches like Christian Life Center. And my guess is, even at that time, Christian Life Center gave to that project. They rallied together and they smuggled these fire Bibles into China and the believers, there's video of the believers as they're being handed a Bible for the first time in their life. They simply at the time just had little manuscripts that they had all written from where they would just share one copy. 
And for the first time, they would hold a Bible in their hand that was their very own Bible in their language, in their home language. And this is how the name came about. They would hold it and they would pull it close to their chest as they would just weep big tears as they would fall on the Bible. And they would say, they would say things like this. Oh, it's just like fire. Oh, it's just like fire inside of me. That's where Fire Bible came from. The Fire Bible has the power. The Word of God has the power to change lives. It's, it's full of power. Today, there are nearly 3 million Fire Bibles in China. Jesus said, it's this gospel right here that'll be preached. There's power in this word. A few years ago, I sat in a a little hotel in Warsaw, Poland. And I sat across from one of our our, uh, district, uh, from one of our national leaders of the Assemblies of God of Poland. And I sat there uh, Pastor Mark Omiski, and, 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 and listening to his heart and listening to his desire to see his country transformed. If you know anything about the story of Poland, Poland is just, what, what a war-torn country. As a matter of fact, I, I, I sat there and right outside of the window of the hotel that we were staying in and where we were having lunch that day was a palace. It's, it's the largest building there in Poland, in Warsaw, and it's called the Palace of Culture and Science that Stalin built. And he built it as a painful reminder that they would always have of the communist regime. And so I sat there with, with Pastor Merrick and, 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 and listening to his heart and, and as he shares this bloody and brutal history of Poland. I mean, he, here's, here's this amazing country, but, but, but this dark history. And, 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 and here they are with these modern Western aspirations, but, but their current existence is caught somewhere in between. And I sat there listening to him as he said, Pastor Ed, We need the fire Bible. He said, right now we have 700 communities in Poland without a single church. 700. He said, in those places we have believers, but even the believers that could be pastors, they have no translation available to them. There's no way to even educate them in the word of God. He said, we want to plant 700 churches. Will you help us with the fire Bible? Can you help us with the fire Bible? Pastor Tom is a, you know, pastoring at that time. I, I just sat there and I was just so overcome in the moment. Isn't it crazy? The moments that God gives us are so critical. Those brief moments. And I sat there in those moments and I didn't know how it was gonna happen because, you know, even understanding the projects, I mean, you know, to do one translation, you're talking, listen, to do one translation, you're talking about almost a half a million dollars before you've ever done any printing. And I sat there and I said, Pastor Merrick, I I don't understand. I don't know how we're going to do it. And, and I wasn't even working with Fire Bible or any of that at the time. I was like, but, but I'm going to go back to the U.S. and we're going to make this happen. We're going to make it happen. And over the last three years, we've been raising resources for Poland. 
And that project is just completed. And then in September, we will take thousands and thousands and thousands of fire Bibles into Poland to equip the nation. Because the gospel, Jesus said this gospel, he said this, this gospel would be preached. He said it would be preached to the whole world. And that's why I love your church. Do you realize that your church has an incredible legacy of missions giving? And not just missions giving, but missions transformation around the world. I am so excited when I heard about Convoy of Hope from last year. What you're doing is amazing. God is using you in such a powerful way. I want to tell you a little bit about the project that we're looking at right now. The project that you can participate in And not just participate in, but that you can help us get across the finish line with. In India, the western side of India, is a small little Indian state, kind of, um, I don't know how to describe it. It's not like just a city, but it's kind of its own little Indian state that borders the ocean and also Pakistan to the northwest. Is, is an area called Gujarati. Gujarati has 55 million people in it. Listen to this, 55 million people. Of those 55 million people, less than, less than one half of 1% are actual believers. Less than one half, 1%. There's a tremendous opportunity for us right now. One of the the challenges with with Gujarati is that it's not just the language barrier, but also that they have this intense desire to protect their culture. So it has been a challenge in the process trying to make the connections and, and do all the things that need to be done over these last few years, even in the translation process. And I believe that some of the opposition is because of some of the transformation that God wants to bring in Gujarati. How many know when you feel opposition, something good's getting ready to happen? Some of y'all are sitting here saying, man, I got something great getting ready to happen, man. And so in Gujarati right now, we have have got all the translation done. Everything's being done. There is only one piece left that we have for the Gujarati Fire Bible, and that's where you come in. The Gujarati Fire Bible, the only thing left that we have to do is to print the copies that we need to get in there. In our first run of copies for Fire Bible, for the Gujarati language and for the Gujarati people, we are hoping to do 5,000 Bibles. 5,000 Bibles at an average cost of about $16 works out to right around $75,000. I believe you're gonna make it happen. As a matter of fact, here's here's the good news. As a matter of fact, we already have all the money for the project. It's just still in your pockets. We have it all in the house. Those that are at Sunrise and Coral Springs, those that are joining online, we have all the money in the house and in your house and in your campus. All the money is there. You just haven't given it yet. But I believe that God is gonna do something miraculous in this next week as God speaks to you, as God challenges you. Do you realize, Christian Life Center, that you have the opportunity that you would be the ones, that you would be the church that would put the first 5,000 copies in Gujarati. 
and that it can make a massive impact on that state. People always ask me, you know, you know, there's so many different costs related to Fire Bible, depending on the translation in the country, and, and they say things like this. Well, you know, Pastor Ed, how much, how much, you know, do, does a Fire Bible cost? And that's such a moving target. How much does it cost? And I think sometimes it's really hard to even give an answer regarding how much it costs. Because I think of guys like George. We don't know his last name, but George in Istanbul, Turkey, who a number of years ago called up Life Publishers and said, we need the Fire Bible in our language. At that time, there were less than 400 believers. Less than 400. But by faith, they asked, can you help us produce the Fire Bible? George began to help in the translation process. As I mentioned, we know a little bit about George. But George began to help the process, and he started taking charge of the process there as the liaison there in Turkey. And he began working with the translators and spearheading the project and even doing translating himself. And and every day he was surrounded by people that would ridicule him and say things about him and they knew what he was working on and the things that he was doing and it was so against everything that their culture believed in but yet George continued to be faithful to what God had called him to do. He's making minimal money and resources and I mean just just barely getting by but he had a vision and a desire to see the fire Bible in his native language. George continued to face opposition. And one day, some people came into his house and they drug him out into the middle of the street and they killed him. And they disavowed him in the middle of the street in front of everybody. And so when people say things to me like, how much does the fire Bible cost? It costs some people their lives. Costs on their lives. We were hoping just to do a thousand or so copies. Recently, Turkey has come back to us because we continued to add copies. They've already gone through, listen, they had 400 believers there when we first launched. We've recently gone through 10,000 prints of the Fire Bible and they're asking and requesting for 20,000 more. Jesus said this, He said, this gospel will be preached. It's gonna be preached in the whole world. And then the end will come. I don't know about you, but I am at the stage in my life now where I'm not asking Jesus not to come back anymore. I'm doing the exact opposite. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And here's my challenge to you is that you would help speed the process up. We can speed the process up here. Jesus said the end's gonna come when this gospel is preached. You know, we live in a culture where we're fast-paced, but there's like a um, kind of idea today that, well, let's just slow down. Let's slow everything down. Let's just bring it. Okay, let's just, let's not jump ahead of ourselves. 
But you know, sometimes there's a danger in going too slow. Just get out on 95. Get out on the turnpike a little bit. Do you know more accidents are caused by people going slow than going fast? Y'all know some of them drivers? Some of y'all are those drivers. You know you're laughing about it and you don't even know it, but you're one of those drivers. I love when people, they're like, oh yeah. I'm like, it's you. You're in that left-hand lane going 55 miles an hour in a 75 mile an hour. It's you. There's a danger at times of going too slow. And as a church, as a church body, you know, sometimes if you go too slow, you block lanes. I just wonder if the church has got to a place where they're blocking lanes of traffic. We just have to merge out because there's such a, you know, there's such traffic in the middle of the highway. They just kind of say, you know, just get one little single file. No, 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 no. This is an opportunity. If there's ever a time for us to expedite something, this is the time. This is a time for us to move quicker than we've ever moved before. Jesus is coming back soon. Jesus is coming back soon. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. You know, I was, uh, <clears throat> I'll close with this. I was in, um, it's a number of years ago, I had gone over to Europe and I was with a buddy of mine. I was actually with Pastor Al Force. Me and Al, we've been good friends. He pastors the great church up in Jacksonville and Al and I were doing leadership conferences around, um, around Europe and, and, <clears throat> And so we were, you know, in this one particular city and, and, and they had all these street vendors. They would come out in the morning and they would set up their racks. They would sell out, you know, they would set up everything that they were selling. If you've been, you know, overseas, you've traveled, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, there's, there's little markets and these different places. So this was a big market in the middle of this city. And so we're like, man, this'll, this'll be good. You can go and you can get your, you know, your, your fake Rolex, uh, the Folex, you know what I'm talking about? You can... I know y'all have never done anything like that. That's another message. I'll just leave it alone. You get all that stuff. And, and, and so they, you know, they have this market set up and they're selling all kinds of clothes and everything. And I, and I stumbled on this little, this little market area and they were selling men's designer jackets. Now, I, 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 I grew up in Miami and for what, I just love fashion. I always have, you know, it's just kind of been my thing. And so, you know, I, I, I ended up, you know, I'm, I'm over there and, you know, and, and, and my buddy Al, he's looking at the $5 Oakley sunglasses that he can buy and all of that. And I, you know, I'm looking, man, I'm going through these jackets and I find this one particular jacket and it's an Armani jacket. Whew. I looked at that jacket. I was like, no, this can't be real. And I said to the guy, is this real? Guess what his answer was? Of course it was. Of course it was real. They had taken the patch out of another one and sewed it right on the inside of this. I was like, man, and I took that jacket off the rack and I just put it on. And right when I put it on and it just said, whoa, it was me. It, it was me. It was a fraction of the cost of what a real one would cost. And I was just like, this is, I am all over this jacket. I bought that jacket. I loved that jacket. I wore that jacket all the time. If I had an opportunity on a weekend 
to wear that jacket and preach, I wore that. I'm just telling you, I rocked that Armani jacket. But inside the pocket of that, that jacket, down inside of them, you know how they have the pockets sewed? Some of you got jackets on today and you've never like opened the pockets up. You know what I'm talking about? The way they have them all threaded. and Well, you know, they had the pockets all closed. That, you know, and, I, and I would reach down and every time I, you know, I, the pocket was sewn, but I always felt one of those little, those little silicone packs, you know, that keep moisture. You know what I'm talking about? They're about that big. I would, I would, I would reach down there and I'd feel that. I, I mean, I wore this jacket for a few years. I would just, I'd always reach down there and I'd fiddle with it. And, you know, I'd be worshiping the Lord, fiddling with that thing. And one point, so I'm pastoring, I'm on the front row. It's kind of like today, I, uh, you know, I, and I was looking up and we had our choir up there and, you know, everybody's just worshiping on the platform. And, and finally, I broke into that little pocket and the thread pulled loose and I went, and, and then, you know, I'm like, why didn't I do this three years ago, you know? And it just, and the whole thread just pulled out real easy. And I reached down in my pocket in the middle of worship and when I pulled out that little, what I thought was a little silicone pack, I pulled it out and, and it was two $20 bills perfectly folded in a square. Perfect. I mean, brand new, perfectly folded that big where it said 20 on it. And I opened it up and I'm standing there trying to make sense out of it. I mean, holding this $40 in my hand, and I looked up, and when I looked up in the choir, I saw this young lady, and she was worshiping, and she had big tears streaming down her face, and as soon as I saw her, the Lord spoke to me. He said, that's not yours, it's hers. I got one of our pastors after the service, and I said, hey, come over here and, you know, I want to talk to you. Long story, but, you know, here's what happened. And so I said, I've got this $40, and and the Lord told me to give it to her, but I don't want to go up. Will you just just make sure she gets it? They said, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so they go up and they give her the money. They come back to me afterwards. The pastor comes back and says, you're not going to believe what happened. You're not going to believe what happened. I handed her the $40 and told her that somebody wanted to give it to her. And she broke down in weeping hysterics, just weeping. I said, well, what was the deal? He said, well, tomorrow they were getting ready to cut off her electricity. And she needed $38.17 to keep it on. And I thought, and I thought about God. And I thought about just the magnitude of God for years. I mean, the process of this $40, what, what's been happening for years, somehow it went from someplace over in you. I don't even know how to begin to speculate on it. But somehow it got folded into these, per, this perfect little square and it ends up in this pocket that gets re-sewn 
that ends up getting dry cleaned somewhere, that ends up out on the street at this little marketplace where this, you know, redheaded pastor guy comes by and it just happens to be the right size for him. He picks it up. He puts it on. He says, this is my jacket. He takes the jacket. He wears it week after week after week, year after year after year, till finally in the right moment at the right time, I don't remember everything else that was happening, that God says, reach down in your pocket, pull out what's there and give it to that lady. Now, let me ask you one question and I'm going to be done. What has God put in your pocket for someone else? What has God been building in you for a number of years to bring you to this moment? To bring you to this week? To bring you to this time? What what resource has God put in your bank account? We talk about the cost of a Gujarati fire Bible, $16. There may be some of you that are saying, man, you know, I, I can take on one. Some of you are saying, I, I, can, I can take on 10. There's somebody in the house here right now that could take on 1,000. What has God put in your pocket that's not for you? My encouragement is that this week, that you would just just do one thing. Just simply pray. Just simply pray this week and just say, God, what have you put in my pocket? What have you put in my pocket for the people of Gujarat? God, what resource have you put there in my pocket so that we can make sure and get these 5,000 fire Bibles printed and in the hands of the believer, believers in the church and their language. God, what have you put in my pocket right there? God, what, what's in there? God, I'm gonna reach in there this week and whatever the Lord is speaking to you, whatever, whatever the Lord is telling you, just, just do that. Let me pray for you. Jesus, thank you for this time. God, I thank you for the power of your word. It truly changes lives. Lord, it's like, it's like a fire that's in our soul. I pray, God, that this week that you would challenge every single one of us to do something that we've never done before. Lord, that we'd take a greater step of faith than we've made before, whether it's in our faith promise or a cash offering or a gift or however, Lord, you're speaking to us to do that. I pray, Lord, that you would challenge us. God, we want to hear your voice. We want to have one of those moments like I had almost 30 years ago where you speak something so crazy, something so outrageous, something so out there that it doesn't make sense. It's not just generosity. It's just stupid, ridiculous giving. God, help us to live in that posture as we seek you this week in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Tom. If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today? You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. 
Thank you for listening, and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.